Welcome to We Got This Covered's Cinemaholics, the weekly movie review talk show where John Negroni and Will Ashton discuss the biggest and best films coming to theaters. So sit back, relax, and pour one out for the two and only Cinemaholics. Welcome once again to Cinemaholics, the official podcast of WeGotThisCovered.com. I am your cinema host, John Negroni from the Internet, California, and joining me from the broadband basement, we of course have Soundmaster Maverick Hines. Oh, hello! Uh, you know what? I just want to say, Rafa, I'm I'm feeling it today. There's a wow. vibe. You're hyper. I'm, You're usually like asleep. I know. I'm excited, but okay. you know, I'm, I'm feeling it. We have a guest. I do miss Will. Yeah, Will he's, is not here, but we have a special guest uh, filling in his shoes. We got this covered. TV editor Robert Yanis Jr. Did I say your name right? Yeah, Yanis, pretty much. Okay. You'd be surprised how how people spell it. It's uh. It's, it's kind of ridiculous. Yeah. Well, you're joining us all the way from the internet Crooked Table, uh, which I is am. Crooked Table is your podcast. It is. Yeah. I've had that going for a few years now on and off. Um, and we basically talk about the world of film from a fresh angle and uh, just kind of movie reviews, analysis, a lot of the, a lot of the same kind of stuff you guys do. So um, should have plenty to bring to the table, especially with the, with the episode, uh, the film we're going to be talking about today. Cool. Awesome. Well, this week we're the Knights of the Crooked Table. Yes. yes. There you that's go. Gonna be, that's going to work out well. We are mingling with the competition. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Well, Robert is the TV editor, so you know he usually manages when I do TV reviews on We Got This Covered. So, mm. you know, so it's really cool to have a conversation about movies for once. Boom. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and also you do movie reviews. I think we've talked about your reviews a couple times on the actual show. Yeah, um, I remember I, I, I listened to the Sandy Wexler one. There was a... Yeah divisive conversation going on in <laughs> <That's right. laughs> I will defend that movie until I'm in my ripe old age well I respectfully agree to disagree okay. yeah Giannis is kind of a you know he's he's a legend in the broadband basement there's posters mm. you know he's he's around we have his yeah, reviews right. up I was gonna he's, say I'm glad I can honor you all with my presence then today <laughs> well yeah because we really needed like a powerhouse right because we're talking about Alien Covenant this week we're gonna take a close look at this new movie the uh, I believe 7th or 8th actually the, yeah the 8th alien movie uh to come out and you know we're gonna have a spoiler free review uh but then we are we are gonna get into spoilers we'll warn you before we start getting into all that but you will get like a hey should i go check out this movie if you're a fan of alien or otherwise um so yeah we'll warn you of course and we're also going to be doing a couple of mini reviews we're going to look at the lovers from a24 with a uh deborah winger and tracy letts and we're doing some like kind of general overviews of the latest seasons of flash gotham and season four of Sherlock. Series um, yeah. four, Jonathan. Series four, excuse me. That's what they call it. <laughs> yeah, because they don't really The know collection of four movies. <laughs> <laughs> well, four movies per series, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, really excited to do all of that. But before we dive into Alien Covenant, uh, as we like to do on this show, before we start talking about the movie of the week, our featured review, we kind of like to look back and kind of think either in the genre or the franchise of the movie we're talking about in this week. That is, of course, the Alien series. So the question I have for you guys and for all of you listening um, is the last Alien movie was, of course, Prometheus. came out in 2013. Ridley Scott directed it. Uh, Michael Fassbender, Charlize Theron, Ruby Napas. Rapaz, uh, we want to know, was Prometheus good? It's a divisive movie, polarizing. Mm-hmm. I'm going to open it up to you guys. And for those of you listening, email cinemaholicspodcast at gmail.com and let us know what you think. You might hear your thoughts on next week's show. But I want to throw it over to Robert. Robert, do you think Prometheus was good? Well, I think after, what was it, 25, almost 30 years, Ridley Scott coming back to the franchise, there was a lot of hype surrounding it. And um, I remember the marketing and the trailers for that film being really strong and kind of teasing this uh, overarching mythology and and um, all the big questions that the film was going to answer. And then I remember going to see the film and it didn't really answer any of those questions. So yeah. I sort of remember coming out of it um, kind of let down and hoping that hoping that a sequel could uh, sort of pick it up from there and um, explore those themes a little more fully. And we'll get into that a little later, whether or not Covenant does so. But I mean, for me, it's just a yes. I I really enjoyed Prometheus. Um, I think the one fault Prometheus had was its length for me. And maybe that's just because my attention span isn't that great. A huge soda. Yeah, I was just ready to go. Uh, But other than that, I, I really enjoyed the movie as a movie independently. Mm-hmm. Now I understand a lot of the criticism when you put it within the franchise, how there's some, some questions to be raised. And I think those are valid, but if you look at it just as a movie, I thought it was really good. And 
I think it holds its own. Yeah, I think I think expectations are everything. Yeah, with Prometheus, I remember when the like marketing first came out for that movie. I wanted it to not be an alien movie. I wanted it to kind of like be its own thing. I wanted it to be like Ridley Scott, you know, mm-hmm. not Ridley Scott franchise, you know. So I wanted Prometheus to sort of be like, okay, yeah, I guess it's going to be connected to Alien in some way. And everybody was like, it's going to be a prequel. I wanted it. I wanted it to be like a science fiction movie, and I think it did that pretty well. And you know, it does all this prequel stuff. I don't think I just. Dis- I don't think I agree with Robert. I feel like they explained and gave a lot of answers on a lot of things, almost to like the movie's fault. Um, I, I've heard that criticism before. I've never fully, I've never personally understood. Well, I feel like it, it raises a lot of uh, pretty heady questions about, you know, creation and where do we come from and like the purpose of life. And okay, all that, that stuff. Okay. Yeah, that stuff. Well, that well, that's sort of the centerpiece of the film. I mean, it it, it set, starts mm-hmm. off with this team's going to basically find out the origin of man. And they more or less uncover that. But the way it ended, it, it left it open for a sequel to... Um, to really expand upon that. And so was, I was sort was of almost, yeah, exactly. And so I was almost sort of reserving full judgment on Prometheus to see whether or not the second one was going to sort of live up to where, where, you know, where it kind of left audiences hanging. So what you're saying is after watching Alien Covenant, you maybe have less nice, fewer nice things to say about Prometheus. <laughs> That's yeah, more or less. Okay. That's I, I, I think, um, I think if this if this is going to, was supposed to be a prequel uh, series to Alien, I feel like it's sort of turned into something else, and it's kind of somewhere in the middle now. And I'm not. It's, it seems like these films sort of have a little bit of identity crisis. Like if Prometheus wasn't so hung up on ultimately ending with a xenomorph, I think. And spoilers for Prometheus, I guess, if you haven't seen Prometheus by yeah, now. Yeah, I think that's that's out of the realm of our control at this point. <laughs> yeah, that's five years five or so. Years. That's that's yeah, that's the cutoff. Um, but I, I think if the film had had gone more, you know, more full on with the engineers and that whole storyline, mm-hmm. I feel like it. Uh, at least in this, in the subsequent films, like if Covenant had, and we're getting, I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit. It's hard because these yeah, films yeah. are so intertwined in some ways. Yeah. You know, it, it's. Um, I almost think the title Alien Covenant for the sequel is sort of a misnomer in in a way because it really does feel closer to Prometheus, Prometheus than Covenant. it does to the Alien films. Yeah. Yeah, or at least Prometheus should have been Alien Prometheus, and it shouldn't have been or something. Yeah, and that really bummed. That's a pet peeve of mine too. Film titles and their inconsistency. Because I remember when, when with like, and this is a tangent, of course, but like with the Jurassic Park series and how it's like they didn't have a a number in the second in the second one, Jurassic Park, Lost Lost World, World, Jurassic, Jurassic and then Jurassic Park Park Three. And I'm like, well, where was Jurassic Park Two? There was no numbered title there, and the Alien franchise is is sort of almost getting not too fast and furious degree of ridiculous titles, but it, it's sort of veering off course a little bit. <laughs> it's a uh, great comparison though. It really is. <laughs> I love that. I, I honestly, I would, I would take the fast and furious titles over Jurassic parks any day. I would actually say Terminator has done a decent job at, even though the movies have been terrible, at least, yeah, yeah. at least like, you know, Terminator salvation, Terminator Genesis. It's not, you know, a little easier to deal with. Right. But okay, yeah, to your point, I mean, the Alien titles make no sense. Um, mm-hmm. They never have. Uh, down to, like, wasn't Alien 3, like, an exponent? Like, it's Pretty just, much. Alien it's, to the third power. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I rewatched Prometheus, and it was only the second time I'd ever seen it. And I'd wanted to revisit it multiple times. It wasn't because I was had no interest in seeing it a second time. And I, I do, I appreciated it more the second time than I think I did the first. Mostly because... I think that one of the things that I've criticized the alien movies for a long time on is just how repetitive they are. Like they just do the same things in every movie mm-hmm. with like just a little bit like a different, you know, coat of paint. And I think Prometheus is, it does that. <laughs> it does a lot of that stuff anyway, mm-hmm. but it does have some of the most original set pieces and ideas that I think the movies had had since the second alien. And uh, yeah, if you guys had to like quickly rank the movies, I don't want to belabor this, but you know, just a nice little tease into like what we're, we're about to talk about Covenant. This would be a nice like your overall impression. Maverick, starting with you, how would you rank? Um, I, I I do have to. Pre- I haven't seen all of them. Okay. Seen a sober Maverick over here. So I've seen Alien, Aliens, Covenant, and Prometheus. Those, okay, so those just rank those. Those I would go Alien, the first one. Yeah. Then Prometheus, then Aliens, and then Covenant. Wow. That's my order. I'm slightly different. I th- I think Alien and Aliens, those are the top two. They, I don't think they can. I don't think they. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I agree with that for sure. 
from there, I, I think that's where Robert and I will differ a bit. Well, are we going to rank just the four or all eight to, to date, I guess? Uh, let's just do the four, because I couldn't care less about Alien Resurrection. And well, yeah. You guys are I'm, forgetting you, about you, AVP, though. I mean, I would yeah, put the, AVP. The AVPs. I would put the first AVP at the very bottom, because it's PG-13, and screw that. Uh, and then Requiem. Then I would do... I would actually do Alien 3, because I like Resurrection a little bit better. I know some people are just diehards about the third Alien. But I hate what Alien 3 did to Newton, Hicks, and I'd, I'll never get over that. And uh, then, at that point, I put... Uh, I, I actually I can't decide if I like Prometheus or Alien Covenant more than the other because even though you, you were saying that they're intertwined, I just think they're so similar. And, and or no, I think they're so different is what I mean to say. Um, I I guess I would go Covenant then Prometheus by a hair. What about you, Robert? Um, I will. I for me the bottom three are definitely the two AVPs and Resurrection. I really didn't care for that film at all. In fact, I feel mm. like Alien Three sort of ends that Ripley storyline on a more po- uh, not positive but like on a more definitive note it's certainly um, is, sure yeah yeah it feels like it, it built it feels like an ending that was built up to over the course of a trilogy whereas resurrection sort of feels like a footnote added on to extend the life of the character basically That's right. um so i would for the remaining five i would probably put uh prometheus then alien covenant then alien three then aliens and then alien Wow. Okay. So you really like Alien Three? Oh, not really like, but you know. I don't really like it. But it it barely edges out Covenant. I think okay. we'll get into this a little more of it later. But I think Covenant has uh, enough for me to to easily top Prometheus. But it's like on the cusp with Alien Three because right. there was. I mean, that was David Fincher's first film, and I think there's a lot of promise there stylistically. It's just if you read anything about how that production went, it was kind of ridiculous and and. Uh, to the point that david fincher yeah well yeah but to the point that david fincher was just like uh, kind of surprised that he kept making movies after that that's how negative an experience (laughs) it was for him and considering that under those circumstances the film that came out is actually watchable is i think kind of an achievement in and of itself that's a good point i I never really considered it that way before um i always kind of was like man david fincher is super embarrassed by it but it does make you you bring up you bring up some uh, good points let's let's not tease him any longer let's get right into alien covenant uh, this is, of course, uh, as we've already stated, it's I, I want to say it's the eighth movie. And it is sort of the direct sequel to Prometheus. I believe that they were kind of dealing with like a trilogy here, Prometheus, Alien Covenant. It's probably going to be a third one to wrap up this prequel series, kind of like you know Rise of the Planet of the Apes and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's mm-hmm. a synopsis on IMDb. The crew of a colony ship bound for a remote planet discover an uncharted paradise with a threat beyond their imagination and must attempt a harrowing escape. It's directed by Ridley Scott, uh, and it was also the story was by Jack Palin and Michael Green, and the screenplay by John Logan and Dante Harper. Uh, stars Michael Fassbender, Catherine Watterson, Billy Crudup, Danny McBride in a dramatic role. Interestingly enough, uh, quite a few other actors that I don't think a lot of people have heard of. Uh, there definitely weren't that many that I recognized, to be totally honest, which I kind of liked. Yeah, you know, kind of. Yeah, it was fresh. They, they were. It was as. They were as expendable in their careers as they were in the movies. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. our, our very own Matt Donato wrote the official We Got This Covered review, and he gave the movie three out of five stars. Uh, that's a fair rating. Saying Alien Covenant goes the mainstream creature feature route with vigor, even if story elements are overcomplicated and too hellbent on franchise tie-ins. Very interesting take on the movie. It's gotten mixed reactions. It, it hasn't been like a very, it's been a very middle movie, but a lot of people saying it's the top of the middle and some saying it's the bottom. I don't think a lot of people have said it's outright terrible or anything, but starting with you, Robert, what is your general, what is your general take on Alien Covenant? Well, I think um, in many ways, I think this film sort of is Ridley Scott kind of, uh, not course correcting, but sort of seeing what fans were missing from Prometheus and maybe realizing that fans thought the previous film was a little too different from from what the uh, traditional Alien film is. And in this one, I, I think it's it's kind of funny because it is sort of structured like a like the original Alien in some ways, and I think some critics have made note of that. But it, like halfway through the film, it, it kind of crashes with Prometheus and it takes it into a whole other direction. And to me, it, I mean, it didn't 100% fulfill the promise of what I thought Prometheus opened up to, but it, it took it in enough of a, an interesting and new direction that, um, you know, it's worth 
worth watching and it's worth sticking with this franchise, if only to see what Michael Fassbender is going to do next. Right. And I and, think yeah. he, I think he was really the the standout in this movie. And I think a lot of people have said that that um, he kind of carries it when the film starts to get a little a little too bland or a little too formulaic. I think Fassbender kind of uh, raises it up a little bit. All right, uh, Maverick Hines, what is your take? So he, he's where I'm at. The first. 98% of the movie, I was, I was loving it. I was really into it. I thought that the, the action and gore sequences in it were incredibly well done. Um, it's the first time that I've been to a movie in a long time where the fight action gory stuff, like, like I wasn't like scared. I wasn't jump scary or anything like that, but I was like, man, this is like, this is kind of, I, w- I felt tense, you know, like I felt the tension that I was supposed to. And I was really excited by that because I haven't felt that in a while watching a movie. Um, Even during Prometheus, I think that it, it it's a far more tense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and I loved seeing the kind of stages. I don't want to give it too much away yet, but I, I love seeing some of the development of the alien creatures. And um, I, I really enjoyed feeling tense. The supposed ending, which I'm not going to give away yet. Really, that like that was the moment where I snapped out. I was like, "Oh, this is a movie. I'm not happy anymore." Like it just it it just threw it off for me <laughs> so badly. And there's one pivotal point that we'll talk about in a few minutes, but it was just like, oh, "Okay, yeah, so that's what's going to happen next. That this is the movie now." Yeah. And I was just so yeah. disappointed in that. I will agree um, that Michael Fassbender. I mean, that was the movie for me. I think he did a fantastic job in his roles, and I, I mean, it was it was hard not to be invested with him. And it's ironic that he also has to do with the part of the movie that I disliked the most. But up until those ending points, I, I think I think it was really interesting. It was captivating. I was invested. I was scared. You know what I mean? Like I had all those emotions that I think I was supposed to feel. So I enjoyed it so much. And then I hated it so much right at the end. And I think that overall brought the experience down for me. Well, I do agree with you about the intensity. I mean, I think in Prometheus, probably the only sequence or the one that people remember the most, but the one, the only sequence that really captured that was the, uh, I guess, sort of C-section sequence in the, yeah. in the Prometheus. I think that that's the one that people were like, holy crap, <laughs> we're like on the edge of their seat with. And I do think Alien Covenant does step up that game quite a bit. And it's kind of interesting that after the original four films had Ripley sort of and um, at the center and following her arc throughout that... In this one, we sort of have Michael's Fassbender's David, and it's not a spoiler to say that David returns here. I mean, it is a dual role, as you mentioned. The first scene, um, you know, in yeah, Covenant. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he sort of, I guess, evolved into one of the central characters that this franchise is following. And I think that's... Um, he, and in his own way, he's it's sort of developing into something just as compelling as Ripley. Hmm. Which, you know, going into my thing... That that's always been my main criticism with most of the alien movies since the third one is that they keep they keep believing like they have to have Ripley again, you know mm-hmm. they have to have Ripley in the form of Call in Resurrection and then of course the clone you know they they had to have I, I will say Numi Rapaz had a very interesting take like she was a science officer she wasn't you know her character wasn't like I'm Ripley I have short hair and I I fight aliens. No, it was it was just sort of like I have a lot of questions about the world and right. Uh, I, I actually I really enjoyed her in Prometheus. And, I did too, know. and it, it, she did. See, it did sort of seem from that film that she was going to be sort of our female, you know, yeah. hero, kind of taking that the reins from uh, Sigourney Weaver. And it's funny that even though she's not really in this film very much, um, that Catherine Waterston again they're trying to they're sort of faking us out by introducing really, a female yeah. lead. They really leaned into Waterston being the Ripley character here mm-hmm. to the point where I, my main criticism with Alien Covenant is that even though, even though everything in it was effective for me and I had a great experience with it because it was alien and they did everything, they did everything right. There were just virtually no surprises here. Yeah. There was yeah. no moment in this movie where I was like, wow. You know, there was no intrigue. It was just all like, this is going to happen in two seconds. Yeah, they did everything right according to the first Alien movie, not to doing something new. (laughs) But, you know, to its credit, it it has some amazing set pieces, though. As an Alien movie, it's way better than Prometheus. I mean, it's far more tense. The the horror, the gore, they just, they got all of that on point. One of the things I really like about the Alien movies is that the better ones kind of find different ways to play with what the first one was. First one's a horror. Mm -hmm. Second one is an action movie. Alien 3 is whatever it was supposed to be. I'm not really entirely sure. Uh, Prometheus was a science fiction movie. That was kind of its point. And I think 
Ridley Scott with this one was like, okay, well, you let me play with my toys and now I have to do, I have to go back and, you know, kind of steered more toward Alien. But he kind of was like, okay, make, let's make this a survival movie mixed with like a haunted house sort of thing. Lots of like Dracula, weirdly enough, mm-hmm. like, you know, haunted house kind of vibes here, which right. I thought worked awesomely. If the first, as you were saying, Maverick, the first like, first two thirds of the movie on their own are some of the best we've seen of all the movies. I mean, yeah. just really good stuff, really entertaining. And you know, it, it, not super surprising, but there was enough like original stuff in there to kind of distract you until you actually have to think, look back and think about the movie. Yeah. Um, you don't notice how predictable it is until you think about it yeah. afterwards. <laughs> right. Like, oh yeah. yeah exactly. That was an alien movie. <laughs> right. But then once we start ramping up to the climax, uh, I, I think the movie just loses all of its momentum. It loses all of its originality and it's just kind of like a, just kind of like a limp to the finish with a twist that everyone is going to see coming and, pretty uh, much. I mean, yeah, I was, I was, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that last, that last act is pretty, it, it, it reaches that point. Then and this is, exa- I know this is exactly what Maverick is alluding yeah. to where you're like, Oh, okay. So this is what's happening now. And this is where we're going with it. Got you. Right. And, no effort um, to surprise. Pretty much. So, well, I know that one of the big criticisms of Prometheus was the fact that so many characters act so stupidly um, and kind of impulsive. Like you have these science scientists and they're sort of toying with these alien creatures and like yeah they look you, like you guys... law professors compared to these ones in covenant though. <laughs> yeah. so yeah like did you so you guys did see that becoming a continuing issue in this film well for a, a chunk of the characters yes mm-hmm. well um, i'm i'm thinking Crudup, specifically of i was about to say that yeah i was thinking specifically oh of that moment with him like it's like really dude seriously <laughs> this is what we're doing all yeah. right i guess so um yeah so okay i just wanted to i felt we had to do our due diligence and point that out lots of flaws in this one uh especially pertaining to some of the expendable cast and uh i I don't think waterson does a lot with this that's very interesting but fassbender and mcbride weirdly enough were the two that i was kind of like i believe that they're in this world and they're kind of which is weird i know for mcbride but fassbender's just hamming it up here and I understand, like, I, I could see some people kind of looking at him as sort of like overacting and maybe it's a little bit pretentious in certain parts. And there were, there were, t- there was at least a three or four times I was rolling my eyes. But other than that, I mean, it's an alien movie and it actually delivers on the sort of stuff that alien fans really want. So I give it a lot of credit for that. Let's uh, get into our final grades and we're going to open up for spoilers with a big warning. Uh, starting with you, Robert, what is your final grade for Covenant? Um, I mean, I think it's it's an enjoyable film to watch, and I think people looking for an alien film will get what they're expecting here, but I don't really think they're going to be getting a whole lot more than that. Um, when your gold standard for this franchise is alien and aliens, it's you, you know you have to sort of temper that those expectations a little bit. I think for me, we're probably going with B minus C plus, and I'm right at like I, I totally agree with Matt. If I were re- reviewing this, I would have given it a three out of five. Awesome, awesome. Uh, I guess you could say that. It's not unlike the characters. I don't think audiences are going to get blown away. What about you, Maverick? If we took away that ending, it'd be like a high B for me, like a B plus, like I really love it. But when you throw in the final moment, you know, what's supposed to be this big moment and it's just meh, it totally brings everything down for me. So I think I'm going to hover between like B minus c plus plus kind of area i guess i'll just go b minus let's do that let's do that i'll be nice i i'm a solid b because i i do think that there's enough good in here to make up for the bad but i yeah i think endings are important but at the same time they just you know you do have to look at a film at its whole and even though the ending of covenant is just pretty uh, i think it's still a solid b movie it's a gorgeous movie which we didn't really get into much but i mean just like prometheus i mean we're talking about ridley scott at his at his best like when he's just creating vistas and he's filming in locations that are just unique and they just make you feel like you're in this place. There was a bit of a predator vibe in the early goings and the mm-hmm. ship itself was really inter- interesting. We didn't really get into it, but you know, it, it's a different kind of ship. It's a different kind of crew this time around. Um, but I, at the same time, I do think that they just need to try a little bit harder at giving us a different kind of movie because we've seen this movie. I mean, just changing a few of the circumstances isn't enough and when you take out all the predicted, when you <laughs> take out all the surprises, it's just too predictable. And so I think it lessens a lot of the tension. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's one of those movies you'll really like in the moment, but afterward you'll kind of 
continuously be like, man, that didn't quite work though. So solid B for me though. Let's let's open it up for spoilers. So then we have a lot to talk about. Uh, starting now, if you don't want to get spoiled, jump uh, about ten minutes. Go to the episode description and click away from here right now. Uh, on YouTube, it's in the thumbnail, and on podcasts, wherever you are, it's in the episode description. Okay, let's let's talk about this. <laughs> let's talk about this ending. Okay. So basically, what, was there anyone in the theater that didn't know that that was David at the end? Yeah, I think I think there was other, there right? was a guy asleep, <laughs> and I think he woke up and was like, "Hey, that's David." <laughs> <laughs> Which we were talking about this. It would have been so easy for them to. Well, set this okay, so before you go, I was gonna say yeah. let's let's talk about this a little bit, and then John, I want to propose a question to okay. you about how to fix it. So let's okay. let's get into that. Um, before that, let's go. With, you know what Robert thinks of just give us some spoiler stuff. Tell me what you think. Um, well, I mean, uh, as soon as they have that little skirmish, Fastbender versus Fastbender, there. Um, I mean, I think it's it's pretty much it's clear to anyone that's ever seen a movie before that that it's going to be David at the end because one you never see the outcome of that battle and two who would you rather the next film follow David or Walter? <laughs> I mean, I David guess, is I, really the center I, I guess of part everything. Part of me though was thinking like, oh, what if he converted Walter? You know, I guess like yeah, that's what I was hoping they would do, but. Nope. See, maybe I just like I'm too optimistic. I wanted Walter to win, and I wanted to know more about Walter. <laughs> but I don't think I'm the average one. <laughs> I mean, he was an interesting character, and it's it's uh, unfortunate to to I guess presume that he that David killed him. But um, I mean, David's been the one kind of driving the story, and he's the one doing the experiments. And when he go in, we go into his little cave, and we see that he's basically been genetically tinkering to try and create the perfect organism. And there's a whole theme of creation here that carries over from Prometheus that I think doesn't go where Prometheus um, implies that it might, but it takes it into a whole, it, it like goes off on a, on a total detour where David is basically playing God. And yeah. the series essentially is pointing towards him as the father of the xenomorphs. And I think that is, um and is an interesting way to go with it. And I was sort of alluding to how Fassbender is, developing into the central character here it's it's interesting that these prequel films are basically following david as sort of an anti-hero in a way now i would say an outright villain personally he's he's a little antagonist at this point and i i guess i guess i i like that though i like that you know he's the one with his like creepy house of horrors and mm-hmm. i i think some people have been con- complaining about like some of his exposition i really i, I think he he kills it. I think that he does a really good job of setting the scene. And I think outside of that little area, there's not a lot of atmosphere to this movie. I, I think it's best moments are when it's in that contained, like, you know, those ruins mm-hmm. in that city. Yeah, I think I a few, but there are a few just huge mistakes. I think the flashback stuff didn't really work for me. The characters were a little bit too uninteresting. Uh, I'd say that all of the action stuff that happens, like starting with when they're on like the crane and they're fighting the one xenomorph, and then on the ship, is just flat. I mean, it was just no nowhere near as exciting as when they're running to the ship and she's fighting the baby xenomorph. I mean, that's that to me is where the movie sort of peaked when it came to its action. Well, I think <laughs> part of the reason those final few supposed to be really intense sequences weren't as great and captivating as they're supposed to be it's because i would for me i was so focused on the fact like oh that's david so when's he gonna switch and mm-hmm. that's all yeah, I was, yeah. that's all i was thinking about i was like okay when's he gonna betray her when's it gonna come out that he's doing it so i didn't care that she was fighting him on a crane or that the alien just exploded inside of the crane handle or what you know I'm like i was like offended that they think we're this stupid that they're going <laughs> to kill this character who lasted who survived prometheus and is clearly important that he's gonna die off screen and then we're gonna believe but maverick you had of course like a question about how i could fix it yeah so let's let's go with this i'll ask both of you and then i'll, I'll give my take too how could they have done the same twist with david being the one that ends up on covenant but without making it obvious. so blatantly obvious what steps or what scenes could they have cut or added to make it so you've been like oh that's david when you were supposed to know that um i mean i think they could have well, they could have gone a couple different ways. One, they could have just showed us that uh, David won the fight, and then we know that it's David the whole time, and then just go like dramatic irony with it, where we're watching. I mean, we, we were already that's, doing that's that anyway. Hitchcock, you know, we were already doing that anyway, watching it be like, "That's David." When's he going to reveal himself to be David? But uh, I, I think that's one way they could have sort of played it. 
rather than expect us to be, be, you know, a hundred percent convinced that, Oh my gosh, thank God Walter could survive that fight that we yeah. never got a chance to see. I think or, it was Hitchcock who said that like, if you have a bomb under the table and it exactly. explodes, yep. yeah, that's surprise. But if you know that the bomb is under the table and you watch the conversation, that's suspense. So to your point, I think that that would have been more effective. And I think they should have leaned into it that way. Yeah. I think that probably would have been the best way to play it or show them fighting and then kind of cut back and forth and then show somebody winning. But we don't know who it is because the oldest trick in the book is you don't like if you're watching a horror film and one character is you don't see their death scene. That character is probably not dead. They're going to come back at some point. So the fact that they avoided that whole final showdown between David and Walter, I think already kind of spoiled that the fact that it was David. See, this is so. Both are really good. I think both of your options are sort of like, oh, well, you just make it a little bit more obvious on purpose. But in a Mm -hmm. better way. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. My thing is, I think they could have still preserved the surprise. Mm -hmm. I I think they should have done a couple of different things. And you and I agree on, I think, one or two of these. Most of them. First of all, I think the big one is let him have like the blonde hair. Yeah. So that was something I brought up to John today. I think if they would have not shown him cutting his hair and he had that the entire time and then appeared at the edge of the the checkoffs, that adds the checkoffs gun because you're like, okay, so they both look the same. He's made himself look like the other guy. Exactly. The hand Mm -hmm. thing being missing is supposed to be a clear indicator. That's going to mean something. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it would have been better if during the entire fight scene and all that stuff, he had the long hair and it didn't come out that he was David until afterward. That would have made it, I think, a little bit harder to to find out. Yeah. Yeah, at least we would have been questioning it a little bit more. Yeah. Exactly. I think that it would have worked. I think I would have been more surprised or I bet it would have been second guessing or at least most people would be if you showed, just show Walter winning the fight but sparing David's life, maybe injuring him in a grave way. Right. And then sort of being like, all right, peace out. Like he, he's like, enjoy your like stupid house. And then he runs <laughs> off and the next scene is him joining them. That would fool more people. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people would still be like, mm-hmm. could that be David somehow? Yeah. Cause you leave out the part where David escapes and then he kills him and takes his stuff. I, I think that's a way to play it though, where you're, you may not, through the power of editing, you can misdirect us and make us think that the twist is going to be that David survives and stops them later. Right. Not that he would switch with Walter. Mm-hmm. That, right. That's what I would have done. Yeah. And in the fight scene itself, there, I think there were some pretty crucial areas there. Showing us the knife for that yeah, long that was really made it obvious what was about to happen. Um, and maybe I'm just not as movie smart, but I don't get how him stabbing him with a knife is going to fix it because didn't he already stab him in the neck once and it healed? Oh, but this mm-hmm. time he <laughs> Yeah, so this time he like stabbed him with love or he kissed the knife first or something, <laughs> which he yeah. apparently loves to do. He was kissing everybody towards the end of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Um, Speaking of rolling eyes. Yeah, so I, I just I don't get how the knife killed Walter, first of all. And second, I just it was an unnecessary thing that you need to show. It would have left a little bit more question in the air because sure. it would have left off with Walter in a powerful stance he's on top it looks like he's won this battle and that's it but then you go to the knife and then he's on the outside of the thing it's like well obviously you know you showed you know it, that was yeah that was so didn't work. bad and that's not my biggest it's tight that's not my biggest grievance of the twist my biggest grievance of the twist is how it's revealed oh yeah <laughs> like she, she just, just like she lays down yeah. and she's like, "Oh wait, your robotic, emotionless face tells me you're <laughs> David." You like, didn't know that it was a log cabin on the lake. I would have just perceived that as like Walter doesn't care about my stupid. Yeah, Walter's a freaking machine. You who just, like, did. You just go to sleep. Like, yeah, so I can. Yeah, she's like Walter. But remember the lake? We we had a whole deep conversation about it. We connected, and he's like, "Yeah, no." <laughs> well, he doesn't respond at all. So like, I don't yeah. know how she goes from there to like, <laughs> wait a minute, you're not that robot I've known for like two days. <laughs> yeah. He didn't wait a smirk, minute. He I didn't st- do anything. He literally just stood there, and she was like, "David, no!" It's like, oh, come. Don't have the bed She's like, "I've seen spike. this movie before." Oh yeah. You want to talk about the worst line in the movie? Uh, well, oh, yeah, yeah. It was up there with choke. With, don't choke on your aspirations. Yeah. Oh god. Don't the bed bugs bite. Shut up. Ah oh, man. Shut up, Michael <laughs> Fassbender. You did great, but shut up. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, anything else spoilery that you guys want to get into? Or? Um. I know that's the big one. Um, what about, I mean, there is sort of the reveals you got in as Robert was getting into. I mean, he's the father of the xenomorphs. Do you guys like that idea of like how the xenomorphs have been explained at this point? Cause I think it's pretty cut and dry now. I mean, I do. I, it's, it's different than what I, when I went to see Prometheus, I expected it to get the full answer right there. And I didn't obviously, but, but it started it. It started the question. Yeah. Guess, but it went in a way I never would have thought of, you know, this, this machine, robot you know thing 
kind of going rogue, having thoughts, all that stuff. Not something I would have anticipated at all. I don't know what I was expecting, but it wasn't that. So I love that I'm surprised. That was maybe the one surprise I got from this movie. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Robert? Yeah, no, I like that. I think it, by the by the time Covenant comes to a close, we've pretty much seen just about the final form of the Xenomorph, I'd say. And yeah. I think if if that's, you know, what they were setting out to, the story they were setting out to tell, I think that that, that part of it is pretty much over. Um, I, I do think it's uh, interesting, though, that Covenant, since Numi Rapace does not come back for this film, that it sort of keeps, keeps alive the alien tra- tradition of... Um, beloved cast members from the previous films, like yeah. being uh, unceremoniously killed off in between. Uh, right, I'm referring, right. of course, to Alien Three doing the same thing with um, Hicks and Newt. And uh, I, I don't know. I think that that character could have been a good vehicle to sort of explore David more fully, and rather than re, you know introduce a entirely new cast of uh, of characters, including James Franco for like ten seconds. Yeah, what was that about? We, we were talking about that, and we we're like, "What? I just why is he there?" I also want to know how much he got paid for that one video you clip. Get the, and... You get the feeling though that McBride, you know, sort of was like, "Hey, do this thing," you know. But yeah. like, that just takes me out of the movie. Why would you do that? Well, why if they're going to you... do that, then they should have just committed to it. Had Seth Rogen do the voice of Mother, and there you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you got to have like an override yeah. code. I can't do that. With that, hor- <laughs> that horrible laugh. Yeah, <laughs> we're all going to die. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah. Speaking of like <laughs> the the crew members, all extremely disposable. They're gonna say like, Crudup was interesting to me. Like him and Watterson's deal, like him being like the captain in over his head, was a nice idea. Mm-hmm. But just the way that he becomes an idiot, like we were alluding to, where mm-hmm. he literally is like, I can't trust you, but I'm gonna peek over here. It, it's just, who? <laughs> yeah. I, I just don't understand. Why and then meanwhile. So Meanwhile, David's like, it's perfectly safe, I assure you. I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> Step back, man. Oh, man. Yeah. His, and he's just like, whole... you know what? Yeah, I believe you. I'm going to look into this thing after we just yeah. watched your torture room of aliens. Yeah. <laughs> and Credup's whole thing, his, his character's supposed to be, he has this whole speech to Watterson that, he, that he's, uh, oh no, to his wife, I think, in the film, that he's a man of faith and they're not going to trust me because of that. That seemed all really underdeveloped. And I think if they had just a couple scenes, maybe in the first half, kind of explaining what the hell that was about, because he seems to have, have like, be sort of at an impasse with his crew. And it yeah. seems to be something that happened before the incident that kind of opens the film. Yeah, it just seemed like a detail they threw in there that was I think intentional or supposed to make it more obvious that there's some disdain and like, you know, that the crew doesn't like, yeah. it. I just feel like it failed. Like I, I didn't, I don't feel like that was the reason the crew didn't trust him. It was more so like, like John said, he was over his head. That's what I got the impression of. I don't feel like it had anything to do with the faith. And to me, that detail just seemed like it was there because it was also in Prometheus <laughs> because yeah. it was kind of a common theme of yeah, Prometheus too, of- that the faith versus science people going onto this thing. It's like, Oh yeah, we did that before. Let's do it again. And right, yeah, other than that, that, it seemed pretty ineffective. Keeping that theme alive through the character backstories or whatever. Yeah, and, and you know they kind of have to if they're yeah if they're going in this. What's the creation? You know, mm-hmm. that's the theme. They're trying to make the faith side of it relevant by making Christians look like people who can't do anything. That's why I think <laughs> this movie is definitely more of like Satanism. Yeah, I, I really got that vibe from it. The sort of like gothic Lovecraft, like which was cool because it does tie into the earlier Alien films, right? Mm-hmm. Because it mm-hmm. does, you know, it, those are some themes that I think makes, they translate well to these newer films as like a lead into like how we get to the point that we're at in Alien. Um, I guess, speaking of things that we do like about the movie, I like the sort of spin of like, we have all of these colonists, we're going to like a paradise world, they just want like a fresh beginning, but it ends up being like an apocalypse. Mm-hmm. The thing I don't like is how they sort of promised in Prometheus that they were, we were going to have this sort of epic showdown between, you know, humans and the people who came before us, right? Whatever they're supposed to be called. The engineers, and, yeah. I was yeah. disappointed by the lack of engineer action in this film, actually. We get one sequence where they're basically all wiped out. Right, right. And it's just kind of, to me, it's like you're talking about an entire civilization of people powerful enough to like spread out to the entire cosmos and create the xenomorphs. Well, not the xenomorphs, but, you know, create what creates the creation that creates a xenomorph. <laughs> and they just kind of like, it, it's just another example of like really seemingly important characters getting really dumb deaths, you know, down to like Charlize Theron getting run over in Prometheus in the mm-hmm. dumbest way. And then Numi Rapace gets, just dies and you just don't really get any closure. Just the lack of closure, the lack, you know, for the sake of 
well, we got to start fresh because we don't think you're smart enough to have this like single thread between the movies. Mm-hmm. But that's like the pessimistic way to look at it. Um, <laughs> is there anything else you guys wanted to talk about? Or I actually I have one more question I'd like to pose. So, John, you mentioned that this might be a trilogy. Yeah. Leading up to the first Alien movie. What would you like to see in the I final installment? I was just installment? thinking about that. And the next movie, I think that they are setting it up, right? That David has, he's going to basically create like a, so, just, yeah, he's, just a where we left xenomorph. He, yeah. He's hell. headed to Orgai 6 is I think it was the plan is called, right? Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. we don't know if he's necessarily headed there. That's where the ship was headed. The, I wonder yeah. if like he's headed toward Earth. Maybe we're finally going to have like a, oh, we got to save it. Well, they wouldn't do it on Earth because in the timeline that would make sense. But yeah. although, you know, you never know what they could possibly do. I have a feeling the next movie will be like the people running into him, finding out about the Xenomorphs again, and it basically like they're going to stop him finally. Let me like, guess. The There's going to be people on an adventure. They're going to yeah. discover this other planet. A distress call. Land on it. <laughs> explore <laughs> it. Something's going to go bad and everyone Never dies. They're going to like initiate call. a quarantine protocol that nobody takes seriously. Someone's <laughs> yeah. going to get on fire. There's going to be way too many gunshots in closed spaces. Yeah, that don't actually hit anything. And when they do hit something, nothing happens to yeah, it. It's a gas tank that explodes the ship. That's, yeah, what, it, that's what it hits. Do, do you have uh, any wish lists, though, Robert? Well, I think um, to your point of you know this kind of the Satanism themes of this film. I mean, I remember that the original title of this was Alien Paradise Lost, so that really kind of ties oh, into yeah, that right. that point of it. And I think that also would have worked as a title. I mean, it seemed like they're sticking with the ship names for these films. But um, I've heard that the third one might be called Alien: The Awakening. And if that's the case, mm-hmm. uh, considering where Covenant ends, I wouldn't be surprised if it kind of focuses on David sort of creating an army of xenomorphs. And on aliens, don't they? Isn't there a whole planet sort of infested with them? I don't know if maybe we're going to tie into sort of him creating a xenomorph homeworld somewhere, maybe on Orgai Six. I don't know where they're going to go with that. Well, I could see like the Nostromos, you know, where the planetoid that they land on, mm-hmm. that could possibly be tied in because I know. I know Sigourney Weaver has talked about like if she did another one, she has said like she wants it to be going back to the roots, you know, going back to like that stuff. So I could, I could definitely see that if it's like on route or something. And like we get, we, we basically get the rogue one of alien movies where, because mm-hmm. at this point we were getting closer and closer to where, when alien takes place, I think we're just like a decade or two away from that. Yeah. We're pretty close. So yeah. For me, I, I, what I want in the third movie is what you explained before the the big showdown between because we were like you said we we're supposed to get that but we didn't really get that yeah so I, I'd love to see however of course they find you know the stress call or whatever <laughs> people stumble on and it's and it's a real competitive battle not just aliens slaughtering ten people who are bad at decisions. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Prometheus is out in theaters now. Or sorry, I said Prometheus. Uh oh. <laughs> you wish. Prometheus slip. Uh, Alien Covenant is out in theaters right now. Um, in in certain ways, I like it better as a movie. I think that it's a better Alien movie than Prometheus, but uh, it definitely has its flaws. And I think we've all outlined them pretty nicely here. But uh, let's move on. I I actually forgot to do the first news bite of the week, so I'm gonna do two news bites right here. Promise won't take a long time because the second one we have is like really quick anyway. So leading right into that, our first news bite of the week is definitely an interesting one. So Tom Hardy has officially signed on to play Venom, a lead villain role in Sony Pictures' next Spider-Man movie, which, by the way, is not connected to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So that's fun. Uh, Longtime fans of the webhead have definitely been itching for another take on the iconic comic book character of Venom, a.k.a. Eddie Brock. Especially since, you know, we had to deal with Topher Grace and Spider-Man 3, whatever that was supposed to be. Yeah, don't remember. Yeah, it wasn't great. Uh, (laughs) This new Spider-Man film uh, was announced already in March. And uh, as alluded to earlier, I mean, it's not going to feature Tom Holland. This is like a Venom movie that they've been talking about since Amazing Spider-Man 2. Um, It even includes one of the writers from Amazing Spider-Man 2. So take that as you will. And it's going to be directed by Ruben Fleischer, who uh, directed Zombieland. And yeah, it's going to be coming out in on October 5th, 2018. For more information on this, go to wegotthiscover.com or check out the cinema homework in the episode description to get the full story. And with that, I'm going to lean into... And, and I, lo- I love the idea of Tom Hardy being Venom. I think it works. If he could do Bane. Tom Hardy can do anything and I'm going to... He, like, he can... He, yeah. Yeah, I'm still I'm still not really uh, sold on the Venom idea, mostly because of the separate from the MCU thing. I think that's uh, I think that's a mistake. But um, I mean, I'm definitely more in the bag now with Tom Hardy in it, because I think he he can make pretty much anything at least interesting. 
if not uh, if not a home run yeah exactly all right uh we have one other news bite we'll get to you real quick this is a very positive one uh not that the other one wasn't positive but uh yes wonder woman our next news bite is about wonder woman herself uh this movie is coming out in uh, just a few weeks and some critics have already seen the film uh, they've voiced a lot of enthusiasm for it. We're hopefully going to be doing a special Last Call episode with Matt Donato, where he's going to be able to talk about the movie a little bit early, spoiler-free. So stay tuned for that. Um, I don't know when that's going to happen exactly, but it's going to happen. Uh, some critics, by the way, have said, I mean, this movie is supposed to be the best of the DC Expanded Universe so far, better than Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, Suicide Squad. Uh, we got this covered. It's very own founder, Matt Joseph, listed some of the film's biggest praises this week on social media and around the web, uh, listing a lot of positive reactions for the film that you can check out. And these reactions go from like, you know, you should take them with a grain of salt, but basically people are saying like even the staunchest of DCEU skeptics are recommending the film to everybody, uh, not just superhero fans, but people who've been really waiting for one or movie. It's really positive stuff so far. I, I really couldn't come across anything very negative, uh, which is awesome. I, this is probably the best news. I feel like I've, we've gotten in the DC universe for a while. I'm really excited to see this movie. I hope I'm not raising my own hype too much. But uh, yeah, as always, for more info, to check out everything, uh, the article is on WeGotDiscover.com, and it's in the episode description of the Cinema Homework. And Wonder Woman, it's coming out. I'm getting excited. All right, let's move into our mini reviews. So we've just got a few this week. And you know, I think it's fitting, since we have Robert Giannis here, that we're going to talk about a lot of TV shows. First... Do you have a movie we want to talk about, which is The Lovers? Uh, we were talking about this movie a few weeks ago just because it's an A24 movie. So that was a big reason why I wanted to go check it out. Uh, and uh, it's it's got an interesting cast. It wasn't one that I was necessarily excited about because I'm not the, I'm not like a, oh, Tracy Letts. You know, he's a, he's a great screenwriter. He's been in Broadway. Uh, he stars here with Deborah Winger. And uh, yeah, so the synopsis is, Deborah Winger and Tracy Lutz play a long-married, dispassionate couple who are both in the midst of serious affairs. But on the brink of calling it quits, a spark between them suddenly reignites, leading them into an impulsive romance. This is a movie that I have a feeling like if you're a cinemaholic and you've seen, you see a lot of trailers, you might have seen a, the trailer for The Lovers a few times. And the trailer really... It, this is an example of a trailer that kind of like leads you in a different direction of what to expect. Because... I was expecting the movie to be a lot different than what the trailer was kind of leading me to believe in a kind of a good way. Uh, it's a very okay movie. It's not one of the better A24 films. Uh, it, it's, it really isn't. It, it's kind of funny. And there, there are a few moments that are interesting. I liked that. It's uh so it's like super suburbia. I mean, and they, these main characters are just like parents who are dealing with an empty nest and the way they kind of like fit in this, I thought, I thought it was very interesting. I liked their deal. I liked who they were. I, I had a good time, you know, stepping into their world for a couple of weeks. But uh, it's just not a very exciting movie. Like, it, you know, they try to have like an exciting climax. Uh, their son comes into town with his girlfriend, the girl from uh, Skins. Uh, and it's, you know... It's fine. It's a decent movie. It's a decent little indie flick. It's playing local. Uh, you might like it. It's a pretty easy recommend on Netflix or Redbox or something like that. Not a uh, must-see-in-the-theater kind of film. I gave it a B. Um, Robert, you saw a couple of season finales for two weeks. Almost. We're almost there. We're almost We're at almost the season there, finale. Yes. Yeah. Flash has... Well, I'm going to be talking about two DC shows, Flash and Gotham. Yes. The Flash has one more episode to go this uh, this coming Tuesday. And yeah, the whole season is focused on the first half focused on Flashpoint. And then the second half has been dealing with the uh, team Flash sort of gearing up for a battle with Savitar and um, essentially a glimpse of the future that they received about Iris getting killed by him. And and that storyline is sort of reaching its end point. And it's basically gotten to the point in the season now where fans are probably wondering where they're going to take it next. And I've always been a really big fan of time travel storylines. And, and um, I, I think this is built on. Exactly. Right. Are you either of you guys familiar with the show? I, I am. So I I've watched this is actually the first season that I I haven't been following it week to week. I think it was yeah. there were about 10 episodes in. And I just got behind, and then they stopped being available on the CW app. So, oh, that's not good. Yeah, so I was like, okay, I'm just gonna wait and binge them all later, and I'm gonna get spoiled. Fine, whatever. But did you did you enjoy what you saw? That would you've seen that uh, thus far? I of this season, I or? haven't been loving it to be perfectly. Yeah, honest. see, I feel like a lot of people have been saying that, and I don't know if that's because it's just it's just uh, more Zoom. It, it's just well, last season, but I with a little bit more flashpoint yeah. stuff. 
I think I don't know what you know about the identity of Savitar because that's sort of been already been revealed a couple episodes it, ago. But it hasn't been spoiled for me. But I, okay, good. I have I won't a pretty decent idea. <laughs> if I, I get spoiled get on it, it's not something that I think I'm going to get annoyed at. <laughs> but I, I think I, I hear you, and I, I think that the whole fastest man alive versus men that are faster than him <laughs> kind of uh, yeah. premise has been pretty much taken to its its. Ex- extreme I and they've already said it's that on its course Boo. oh there you go <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, they've already said that season four is not going to feature a speedster as the main villain and i think once you Thank see <laughs> yeah, i know seriously and once you see what um you know who identity um who savitar really is i think you kind of can can get pretty good idea that the fact that they can't really take that um, good speedster versus bad speedster idea any more than they've already done. Um, I think season three has been good. I don't, I don't know if it's, I still, for me, season one is, is probably the, the gold standard for um, the flash just because the main villain is reverse flash. And I think that's his arch nemesis. And so kind of putting in subpar versions of that character for the flash to go up against is kind of a, starting to become diminishing returns. That's but why, I'm, I'm ex- like, in my opinion, when it comes to Flash, like once you get mm-hmm. past Grodd, Reverse Flash, and Captain Cold, that's when you have to just start putting him in the Justice League, and kind of. I, I just feel like the, even in the comics, th- those are the characters that really like pushes like mythology, and the rest are just you know like Savitar. Really, <laughs> the rest the rest are King Shark, basically, is what you're yeah. saying. Yeah, <laughs> Heat Wave. Yeah, so um, I mean, I'm interested to see where they're going to how they're going to wrap up the season the fact this show is is one of those that it doesn't really make any sense to try and guess where they're going to take the plot next because pretty much they can do whatever the hell they want and explain it with the their sci-fi rationale um and you know but even with that knowing that going into the season finale i'm kind of curious to see where whether what they're going to do and i know it's going to be a cliffhanger um for next season but it's still it's still a really enjoyable show to watch every week and um you know, I'm I'm still on board. It's let's. I hope that the next season uh, kind of tries something a little f- fresher. Yeah, I really miss it. I'm really looking forward to when it finally wraps up and I can just get into it all at once. Before you talk about Gotham too, I want to point mm-hmm. out Samurai Jack. The last episode is today. Um, oh, wow. I think it's already aired, and I it just like kind of dawned on me something you said sort of brought that because I guess the time travel. And uh, I'm sort of feeling it. I'm like starting to feel a little uh, emotional right now because that's that's the last episode ever. Yeah, are we gonna watch it? I have to catch up. Uh, Yeah, you're you're a lot of episodes behind. Anyway, uh, so Robert, (laughs) what else? (laughs) So now we're going into Gotham. They're also leaning into their um, season finale. They're a few episodes away. I think uh, maybe three weeks more. They're gonna do the last two episodes of the season, sort of back to back. And And this season. I, I am a I am a tentative fan. Um, I think the show is at its best when it embraces how ridiculous it is, and um, it's it's sort of a guilty pleasure for me in some ways. Like it's one of those shows that I watch and I enjoy it. The over the top acting, the ridiculous, the ridiculous, uh, you know, plot twists and that kind of thing, and basically the fact that people can get shot at point blank range and just come back the next episode and like, oh, oh, this other character was caring for you. You're all recovered now. You're good. Just go about your day. And I think that when the show focuses more on the uh, more on sort of the devil may care tone that that it is is really um, it's really taken on since last season, because the way I see it is season one was just a, a you know, street level crime story of all these um, rival you know, rival mob bosses and that kind of thing. Season two sort of introduced the sci-fi elements. And now we're leaning into sort of a combination of the two plus a dash of mysticism. I know we have Ra's al Ghul coming on in the next few episodes before the season ends. So it's, um, it's an interesting show to watch and they really push the envelope as far as uh, what you could do with, with the Batman mythos. And I know a lot of fans are, are have been sort of pissed about it from the beginning and that they kind yeah. of don't really have any reverence for the source material. They just kind of do whatever the hell they want to do. Which is and fine, you know. Yeah, I, and that, I, that's, I gave up on it like halfway through season two yeah. because I just couldn't anymore. But I, I, I totally get why it has its fans. Right. It's something that either you just roll with it or you don't. And you know, I've sort of stuck with it thus far, and I know it got renewed for season four. 
but it's it's you not like something... me with Walking Dead. It's like you just can't really let go. <laughs> it's like oh, I can't I can't let you go, Gotham. Um, but it's one of those shows that I, I watch and I enjoy. But for people that that can't stand it, it's like yeah, I I, I get you. I, you're totally and you know I can't really argue that point. It's it's um, it is very divisive, and I know their ratings have really been like kind of dropping since yeah. from season to season, which is why I'm surprised that they even got renewed for season four. I guess I just but, really uh, believe in superhero shows having, you know, lasting power, but I don't know. Yeah, I guess. And it's, it's one of the only DC shows that's not on the CW, which is interesting. And uh, Fox has a bad yeah. history of canceling genre shows way before, uh, before they, you know, meet their, natural end course of course with things like firefly for example so it's it's interesting that they're sticking with gotham so i don't i don't know what that's about but i really hate that they sort of like foxes kind of like used up the creative demand for like these villains and stuff because i would love a cw show that takes like a like a gotham villain just one of them you know and maybe Mm -hmm. just centers the show around them and sort of gets away from like young bruce and commissioner gordon and well you know just sort of sets it around a decent they've, character. They've sort of done that a little bit with Gotham. I mean, Which I would is say when that, I think it's been at, at its best when it's been right. Riddler, Penguin, Ivy, like those characters kind of doing their thing. But when I they agree, just, you know, they, they, Barbara Keene just being nuts. I, I don't know Didn't who really may or may me. not turn out to be the show's version of Harley Quinn. That's something that's been rumored for a while. Yeah. But I mean, it's one of those shows though where fan service is everything. Yeah, it guides yeah. all and, their decisions. And from the from day one, I mean, they sort of had Penguin. I, I think, in a way, sort of as a third lead. We have Gordon Bruce, yeah. and then Penguin has been. Um, he was as much a centerpiece of the show as Bruce and Fish, Gordon have been, and Fish Mooney too. Yeah. Oh God, I don't like her. <laughs> Obnoxious <laughs> character. Uh, but when they season two was when they they decided basically they wanted to bring in every Batman villain under the sun. Yeah. And uh, you know, Ratings. this this season. Well, yeah. And I think, but I think that's more interesting. I think you can't. There's not a whole lot you could do with a 12 year old Bruce Wayne. He's quite a while before he starts donning the uh, cape and cowl. And I think Gordon is pretty much one of the most or one of the least interesting characters on the show. And I think the fact that He's the most interesting when he's investigating what Penguin or Riddler or Mr. Freeze or Mad Hatter or whoever is up to. I, I think that that's he, that's really his place. Whenever they delve into his inner demons and his dark side and how he hurts the people around, I don't really care about any of that. I just yeah. want to. And this season, you know, they've sort of led into more and more of the the villains kind of rising up and uh, alliances forming and that kind of thing. So, I mean, we just got a few episodes ago riddler like in his full green suit calling himself the riddler like he's reached his origin point i guess and um that's as a big (laughs) yeah as a big fan of the batman you know character base and how how massive his rogues gallery is it's always fun to sort of see those these versions of the characters sort of interact and um, slowly but surely kind of take over the city well i'm still holding out for or you know be i'm more excited about black lightning and Night yeah, Man. that should be good. Those are the yeah. two for me. Uh, Gotham, uh, you know, if it if it gets another season, I mean, bless that show. I, I'm, I'm impressed. Yeah, it's been but, renewed uh, for yeah. season four. So, oh, I didn't know that. So yeah, there you go. yeah, just couple last couple weeks, I think. All right, all right. Well, Maverick, you saw series four of Sherlock. Uh, well, you you wrapped it up. So, like, I think the first episode came out a few months ago. I haven't seen any of them, mm-hmm. um, but <clears throat> you've seen every single one now. So, what'd you think? Yeah, it was Sunday at work, so I watched all three, which equates to four Man. and a half hours. Jeez, that's like half of Hateful Eight, but okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I watched the first three series, as they call them, when I first uh, moved to California a couple years ago, and I... I honestly just kind of forgot. Like I loved it, but I, I just forgot that it you was fell in love. And then it was the one that got away. Yeah. yeah I just forgot it was going to happen again. And then, you know, Netflix just uploaded a bunch of stuff this month. So it popped up on my, you know, recently the uploaded started texting you. And it yeah. Was like, hey, you want to get coffee? Yeah. I was like, Hey, I'm back in town. Like, do you miss me? Like, <laughs> don't tell your wife, that kind of stuff. Um, and I, I watched it and it's hard to talk about the show because the whole show is spoilers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've seen a few, like, you know, videos about like the show that have like just totally spoiled it for me, which it's is awful. It is fantastic. I, there was not a single moment watching all three movie length episodes today where I was bored or like, Oh, this is going to like I, every twist caught me off guard. 
every moment was exciting. Even the boring moments were like really exciting. You know what I mean? Um, I judge your like likable like this. I judge how much you like something by how often you take your phone out, unless it's in a theater situation. Yeah, I didn't touch my phone. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's that's real. That's I even serious. take my. That's- I use my phone during Game of Thrones, and I love Game of Thrones. You gonna pop the question? Like, <laughs> yeah. Will you? I don't think I can stream? yet. We only went on three days today, so. <laughs> But anyway, um, again, it, it's hard to talk. We, we dive more into Sherlock's family history mm-hmm. and a lot of his upbringing issues. And we go a lot into Mycroft and their kind of relationship. And it, it's it's the season of past turmoils. So every character we see, Watson, Mary, Mycroft, and Sherlock deal with their past, their issues in very unique ways. Um, you know, there's there's the the continual hint that Moriarty might come back and like, there's the threat of that from the first, you know, few series. It's fantastic. It's really, really good, incredibly captivating and like just insanely original and unique. And I, and I love it. All right. High praise. Go watch it. A plus plus 10 out of 10 fire emoji would recommend air horns. Have you seen it at all? Have you seen any of this series, Robert? No, it's actually regrettably one of the shows that I keep hearing about and, and I've been meaning to get on and just haven't made the time for it because I'm too yeah, busy well, watching Gotham, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, take a week off work because it's going to take you some time to get through all these episodes. Yeah, for real. Each episode is an hour and a half long. Like, yeah. I'm not joking when I say movie length. They are one hour and 30 But I was like long. you. I, I got in the show a few years ago and I did. I went all the way. Yeah, yeah I didn't have a job when I first discovered it, so I watched them all in like two days. You can't, you can't just like, be like, well, time. there's another episode, but... Yeah. Yeah. Are are the first three series all on Netflix? For people that all of them are on Netflix. Okay. Did cool. they just yeah. so they just dropped four seasons on Netflix? Okay. Yeah, so all three of the first series are were already on there. The fourth one just dropped like the fifteenth of so another oh, show wow. just dropped on Netflix that I wanted to talk about today, but I haven't watched any of it yet. I mean I, maybe next week. Riverdale is up on Netflix now. I've heard of it. I have no idea so, what it is. Oh, Archie and Veronica, uh, I'm definitely gonna be getting into that. I don't know if you've watched any of that, Robert. No, no, I have not. I see the promos constantly, and I'm like, mm, sexy Archie. I don't know if I can get in with that. The thing is, I see it on Tumblr so often. I've basically <laughs> seen it anyway. So Yeah, they've, they've sort of uh, can, can worn you down after a while. You just see enough of those promos. You're like, I guess I should see what Riverdale's about. All right. Well, that'll do it for our mini reviews. Uh, time to uh, do our last movie. Uh, or Sorry, movie. Sorry, our last news bite uh, before breaking with you guys and and go on our separate ways. This is a this is a really speaking of Netflix actually. Um, this one is about The Witcher. Netflix oh, yes. is making a Witcher series. Uh, I'm really excited to share this because this is one of the best video game franchises in the last decade. The Witcher Three Wild Hunt is one of the best video games of all time. I'm really excited because it seems like every news bite or cool thing that's happening lately is stuff that I like, I just did. I beat Witcher Three for the first time <laughs> like a month ago. Like this is a super- month ago. Oh come on. That that was a bit ago. That you know, was it, like was, it was it was it was January ish. It was March when I beat when I finally because it took me two weeks to beat it because I was bit, like it took a while. So I finished it in March. We'll talk later about the accuracy of your timelines. <laughs> it's here. great. But yes, fantastic. The Witcher is getting a Netflix series. It's uh, for those of you who don't know, The Witcher is based on a series of fantasy novels by Polish writer Andrzej Sapkowski, and it features a world filled with witchers who are mutated monster hunters. Uh, the main character is Geralt of Rivia, who is basically this really awesome anti-hero. Who makes he he could probably beat Wolverine like he's just he's just like this very uh, you know like just very placid expressionless he can't have emotions but he's also very like charismatic at the he same just time. does not care and he's here to kill everything yeah it's great uh, it's a really fantastic series uh, a fantastic series of games series of novels uh, seriously Wild Hunt is a, a fantastic game filled with great characters great stories I mean it's fant- it's it's one of those things that. People have been waiting for like another attempt. A uh, movie was made a couple decades ago. I think Mads Mikkelsen played Geralt of Rivia at one point. Oh, really? And it just didn't really, you know, make a splash. But now, you know, that it's reached sort of a peak in pop culture. And it's finally coming out, and I'm excited. Uh, if you want to get more details, uh, we don't know a ton yet, but for the full scope of everything, it's on wegotthiscover.com. Go to the cinema homework in the episode description to get the full story. Also, go play that game. Go play. Go Wild play Hunt. that game. The game is amazing. Uh, Robert, thank you so much for hanging out with us for an entire episode. Woo! Yeah, absolutely, guys. Thanks for having me. We should do this again sometime. This was fun. For sure, because, you know, Will, he goes on a lot of trips. Yeah, he's he's out there. He's an entrepreneur. He's a philanthropist. He does it all. I think he's cheating on us. 
<gasps> another podcast. Well, yeah, what? he had one before. We, I think we're the other girl. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she is. Uh, so let's plug Will's podcast. It ain't ogre till it's ogre. Uh, Robert, your podcast, of course, Crooked Table, is I, I believe on Apple Podcasts and uh, wherever podcasts are sold. Right. Yeah, we're on uh, iTunes and Stitcher, and you can find us at crookedtable.com as well. Is there anything else that you want to plug for people who want to know what you're doing? No, I mean, just follow me on Twitter, at Crooked Table, and, uh, you know, I, that's probably the best place to get in touch with me. Yeah, and we've got some TV reviews coming up for the summer. Um, yeah, we do. Should be a few good ones. A couple of interesting mid-season shows coming out this, yeah. this summer that are going to be fun to talk about on the show. And if you want to get in contact with me, you can uh, message me through my AIM messenger. My name <laughs> is CineSoberSadGuy45. Oh, you changed it from Weed Smoker 91. Yeah, well, you know... <laughs> Now that it's legal, it's not edgy anymore. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I don't have any cool thing to play. I have an Instagram, but it's about fishing, and I don't think anyone who cares about movies cares it's about a fishing. Instagram, though. Daily it is. Anglers. Yeah, Daily Anglers. At Daily Anglers. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, that'll do it for us this week. Don't forget to email us uh, your awesome feedback if you want to hang out with us. Go to our Facebook page. Uh, we're also on Twitter, but we, we spend more time on Facebook, I think. And yeah. uh, email cinemaholicspodcast at gmail.com. If you like our show and you want to support it and you want more people to listen so you can help us build this community, uh, just leave us a, a rating on, on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, yeah. and uh, let us know what you think directly. And if you want to know what's on Will Ashton's mind at any moment, go like our Instagram or our uh, Facebook and follow uh, that yeah, because Will discovers new features on Facebook like every week and it's the most yeah. hilarious thing ever. So check out our Facebook. That's He's where you'll get Facebook updates. Great. Yeah, that's where you <laughs> nice. you'll get updates from us. Go. That's where you get some more of the uh, interpersonal stuff. Always tell us your favorite Pop Tart flavors and I love you. That'll do it for us uh, this week. Then from the Internet California, I am John Agroni. From the Broadband Basement, I am Maverick Hines. From the Crooked Table, I am Robert. <laughs> the Crooked Table. The Crooked yeah, Table. Yeah, you want to try that again? Nope, it's too late. No yeah, edits. That's it. That, we're saving it. See you guys next time. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye.